Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you with us on this uh, Easter, Easter episode yes, of Footnotes. Is. This wow. is the post-Easter. We are all in a chocolate coma. We are all egged, we're extravagantly uh, oh, chocolated. Absolutely. Excellently. And that's right, you just heard the voice of Jen Bartlett. Hello, Jen. Jennifer Bartlett, Hi. director of CareNet and my, I'm just going to say it, I'm going to call it my favorite Footnotes guest. Yes. Yes. Mm. Boom. I want to start singing We Are the Champion. I am the champion. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That is perfect. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we are we, we we are zooming Jen in. She is sitting. Is this your office? It is my office. That's you've you've got a clock in the background. You've got is that a blue wall? It is a blue, like a blue wall. wall and a filing uh, cabinet. A Lumiere. A Lumiere. Look at that. Mm. Uh, we were gonna do a Beauty and the Beast themed fundraiser for youth ministry a long time ago, and I still have that. So, well, because <laughs> why wouldn't you hold on to that? I'll I don't hold beast. on to that. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> that was bad, Rob. Also, you've got Rob Croyle and and myself, Logan. So yeah. classic footnotes lineup here. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Even though COVID is wrecking havoc with everybody's lives, mm-hmm. we still got Jen here because we're yep. like, we need the people want more Jen. Actually, they just want less of Rob and me. So true, true. <laughs> and who yes, could blame I, them? I've I've heard that around the block. So at a social distance. I don't blame them. I don't blame them. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame them one bit. But nonetheless, uh, we've got some tasty footnote goodness today. Uh, starting off, we're going to start off with our shortcomings because we had a couple of things that we screwed up this last week. Uh, we recorded Easter service on Thursday. We recorded Easter on Monday, Thursday, because it makes for the streaming to be a better, uh, it just makes things go better on Sunday morning for everybody. I think it reduces the chance that things could go badly. Right. So we're we're recording this on Thursday, and then we do the Good Friday on Friday. We actually streamed that live, uh, which was a lot of fun. But didn't mess with our brains at all. No, that that was weird doing Easter before Good Friday. It was very strange. <laughs> <clears throat> but the thing was, uh, we had decided to go from instead of using the projector on the wall as we have been doing since we've been in in this location, we put the TV up on the wall. Because uh, we figured out, oh, hey, we can actually make the font the same size on the TV, and it'll be clearer, and we can have better better lighting so you can see how ugly me and Rob are. I mean, how beautiful me and Rob are um, with good lighting. Uh, yikes. Oof. So, oh, I'm so sorry, everyone. We thought it was a good idea. We thought it was a good idea. Uh, we'll just go for a completely black service next week. <coughs> just blacked out, <laughs> no light. Um, nonetheless... So we put this TV up, but we this when we recorded Easter on Thursday, this was our first time doing a service with the TV, and we forgot to change the font size on the sermon slides. Yeah, we didn't standardize across all the slides. We, no, they some, were all, they were some all were over good the place. and some were not, and it was it was chaos. Chaos yeah. reigned on the slide font size, um, and so uh, when we got to the sermon, the the implications and the sermon. Uh, slides were a wee bit hard 
we <laughs> pun wee bit hard to see. <laughs> so for all of we, all oof, all, oof. Of, all of we, <laughs> for all we all. Uh. <laughs> Jen, you've missed us, haven't you? I have. <laughs> I don't know why. Have you gotten that checked I don't out? Either. You should really get that checked out. <laughs> no, I miss any human interaction. So yikes, yikes. So that was a uh, that's our first shortcoming. We screwed that up. We apologize. We will. If you're listening to this, don't worry. We're gonna increase the font size. I couldn't read it. Nobody could read it. Well, you could. It was just squinty. It was squinty font. Squinty font. Um, but we will we will increase that next week. Don't worry about that. Uh, the next thing is that you might have noticed that our our sermon recording on the podcast, for any of you that listen to the podcast religiously, <laughs> joke, um, it <laughs> was so bad. I do uh, everything religiously. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Push-ups. Uh, yeah. Oh, yikes. So I uh, did not get the, I don't know when I'm, I, when we're recording this on Tuesday morning and I still haven't got the sermon up because I've been looking for my flash drive that we recorded the sermon on because I've refused to just pull the audio off of the video because I just don't like doing that. It's not as clean. It's obnoxious. It's a pain. If you've seen the cartoon where the guy's looking for something throughout the house and everything's just flying. That was me from Sunday afternoon till literally 15 minutes ago before we started recording footnotes uh i tore apart my car i tore i cleaned my office yes this like, looks amazing my, well it's covid free. pictures or it didn't happen <laughs> my desk uh, i will say my desk is clean the rest of my office is possibly still a disaster but could be my desk is clean which <laughs> if anyone knows me that never happens um like I, th- I I cleaned up all the trash around the garbage can. This is insanity. Um, and I can't throw shade when it comes to the office being clean or not. <laughs> Nonetheless, but I, I finally found the flash drive. Uh, it, I put it in the most obnoxious pocket on my backpack. The only one that I forgot I even had this pocket. It's like on the strap. I think we we're supposed to put, I don't know. Thumb drives. Th- apparently thumb drives are going there very nicely and you can just forget about them they're very safe it's the best pocket i think when people used to have like the little mp3 players oh yeah that there's a headphone hole on that pocket too that would make sense yeah, that's what go before on. we started using tablets for phones right so i found it so that was a shortcoming because that that threw the schedule completely off um but it will be up shortly nonetheless uh, so there's our shortcomings. We are human. We are definitely roughly right emphasis on roughly, but nonetheless. So this is exciting. We did a Zoom interview with Kirsten Hands. Yep, Kirsten who Hands. We interviewed, and she is the market master. Market master, as we learned. Uh, so we are gonna cut to that interview right now. All right, we're joined by Kirsten Hands. And uh, Kirsten, what what is your role with the farmers market? I know you're. I know that you're involved, but I don't think I've ever actually heard your official title. She's the grand um, poopa. <laughs> yeah, my title is market manager. Uh, the majority of farmers markets across the country, the person in charge is called the market master. So some people call me market master, mm. um, oh, like or that. they call me market manager. So close to key master. 
<laughs> it does. It sounds kind of daunting, doesn't it? Um, I'm basically responsible for making sure that the market gets up off the ground. I work sure, a lot sure. with the vendors, a lot with the space, make sure that we have everything that we need to have in place so that our local farmers, ranchers, makers, producers can be down at the market and have a successful season. Okay. So obviously with all of the COVID-19 craziness and turmoil, are you guys, the question would be, are you guys opening this season? We are going to open this season. And that's a really great question. I've had a lot of people get a hold of me wondering whether or not we are going to be open this season. Um, we are. So the Department of Agriculture is deemed both at the federal and the state level that local agriculture is an essential uh, vital service to the populace. We are like a grocery store. And when you think about it, all of our farmers and ranchers in this area started producing for this season long before coronavirus started. We've got a lot of food in this valley, a lot of food in western Montana, and our, our farmers are willing, ready, and able to get it out to our population. Um, also, local food doesn't travel hundreds of miles to get here. It's here, ready for us. It doesn't pass through a lot of hands. So there's a lot more as far as what it's been exposed to and where it's been that makes local food not not only more nutritious, but safer. So when when exactly are you guys going to be opening? Oh, uh, so the season opens on May 2nd. Okay. I think that's in three weeks. It's coming up very quick. So fast. Um, so we always go uh, every Saturday from the first Saturday in May until the last Saturday in October. Now, October can get kind of nasty every year. The last couple of weeks, it's really hard to get people down to the, the market. It can start snowing on us. It can be very cold. However, now with coronavirus, we're going to have probably fewer vendors and fewer customers than we would typically see at the beginning of the season. So we're rethinking that and we're leaving some fluidity there. Right now we're planning on ending on October 17th, but we might take it through the last couple of weeks of October to make up for the loss in the season. Now I know uh, there, there was mentioned you, you wanted to say something about uh, SNAP, Double SNAP, WIC and Senior Coupons. That I wanted to remind people that individuals that are on SNAP, which is the Supplemental Nutrition Agriculture Program through the federal government or food stamps, they can come down to our market and they can use their SNAP card at our information booth to receive tokens that they can use to purchase food in the market. That and awesome. um, we also have a grant and it's called our double SNAP program. So if somebody comes down and they run their SNAP card for $20, we will match them $20. Wow. Now the double SNAP is only good for fruits and vegetables, but it doubles the amount of money that our um, lower income families have to purchase healthy, nutritious food at the market. That's phenomenal. Um, many it's an awesome program. It, I'm really proud of it. And it's an awesome program. The Community Farm and Agricultural Coalition here in Missoula, our, our oversight agency, they put a lot of information out. They get information out and help supplement this program with all of the farmers markets in the region. It's an amazing program. Our so farmers cool. are also able to take WIC coupons. And for those who don't know what WIC is, it stands for Women, Infants, and Children, and it's also a federal program that gets food coupons in the hands of mothers who are either pregnant or have young babies, gets them nutritional food. And um, we also have a senior coupon program. Now, this program comes out of the state, but I also believe it's federally funded. The Missoula Aging Services helps with it as well, and it gets food coupons to older people so they can come down and get food at the market. So there's a lot of different streams for, for people. The farmer's market 
is open to everybody of every yeah. social economic status. And we try to help everybody in the community get good, nutritious food. That doubling program, that is so cool. That doubling program is is available throughout the city for people who aren't aware of it. I, I believe that that program, it's also available at the winter market. It's also available at the Montana, uh, the Missoula Farmer's Market, which is the one up at the end of Higgins up by the X's. And I believe it's also available at the co-op over at Burn Street. So there's different avenues in this town that can help people tap into that double snap program. That is awesome. So, uh, so what changes are you guys doing? I mean, some of those folks you talk about are high risk. So what changes are going to be in place for this COVID-19? So um, right now I have been working the last uh, couple of weeks demoing different software programs uh, to onboard an online ordering system. Um, I have gone with a company called Local Food Market Space. They started, I believe they started in 2009 in Eugene, Oregon, supporting the farmer's market in Eugene, Oregon. They now work with about 5,200 co-ops, food hubs, um, CSAs, and farmer's markets across the country in Canada to provide online ordering service. So they're tried and true, really robust, love their website. So we've added... Um, I'm getting this up and running. The URL is available. The market isn't quite up and running yet, but it'll be Clark Fork River Market at localfoodmarketplace.com. People can go online. They can see our different farmers and ranchers, the product that's available for the week. They can order what they want. Then they, after they check out, they pay. On, um, we'll get a hold of them and let them know, hey, your order is going to be ready at 8.30. Come down between 8.30 and 8.45. They'll drive through our parking garage, pick up their groceries, and drive on out. So they don't need to get out of their car and be shopping down at the market, especially if they're not a high-risk group. Um, for people that are housebound, absolutely housebound, um, we will have the availability to deliver to them as well. Um, thank, thank you, Rob, working with you. You've helped us um, connect with some other faith groups in the community that have a couple of vehicles. We're going to get some volunteers, and if people need to have their food delivered, we will get it to them. Um, with this software, uh, it isn't just for COVID-19. Of course, it wasn't something that we were planning on onboarding right now, but it's something that we had thought about bringing into the market's business model. So it will be available to the community moving forward as well. If people are in, in a position where they just can't get down to the market with our hours on a Saturday morning, they work, um, they happen to be sick or, or for whatever reason they can't get down to actually do their grocery shopping, we will be allowing this to move forward. People can order online and just drive through and pick up their groceries. That's excellent. And I'll, uh, I will link that, that URL in our show notes so people can click Thank on you. That and follow that. So Thank you, you guys have a, uh, Facebook page. I know you guys are rebranding. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that, but do you have a Facebook page? Do you have a, a regular website? We yeah, we do. If you go to, um, if you're on Facebook and you search for Clark Fork River Market, either Clark Fork Market or Clark Fork River Market, you'll hit on our market uh, Facebook page. We also have a website and the website's just clarkforkmarket.com. So if you want additional information uh, about the market, I've been trying to I'm tr I've been trying my best to keep up with it and keep it updated. So right now, um, our website has information on COVID-19. 
Um, right now, our vendors are applying for market. It's important for anybody out there that is one of my vendors or a potential vendor or somebody that would like to vend down at the Clark Fork Market. Applications are due um, in three days. They are due on Friday on the 17th of April. And um, you can apply online. If you go to our website, there's a place to apply online to be a part of the market. Um, and you can pay online. Uh, I do have some information, also a graphic um, on the website that I think is going to be really important for our customers to keep in mind when they come down to the market this season. We don't want people coming down if they're sick. Um, we want them to be keeping right. six feet base. So we've got social distance. We're going to have hand washing stations throughout the market. So we want people to wash their hands regularly. Uh, we do not want our customers to touch uh, produce, and that's hard because that's kind of what farmers markets are all about. People typically yep. will pick up produce and touch the produce. We're asking them to tell the vendor what they would like and have the vendor put the bag of their produce together. And we're also asking people um, to only come down to market if they're there to shop, if they're there to grocery shop. Sure. Um, it's typically a social event. It is, uh, the, especially the Clark Fork River Market. We really are a social event. We have musicians every week. Uh, we had a musician, we have a musician booked for May 2nd, and I'm still deciding whether or not I'm going to allow the market to be that festive if COVID-19 restrictions are still in place. Sure. Because it's a meeting place. People look forward to the market. We have children's activities. We have nonprofits doing outreach. We have Missoula in Motion that comes down the first Saturday of every um, season. Uh, they do bike tune-ups. They help people get outfitted with bike helmets. So we do a lot of community outreach. We have the local uh, seed bank come down. Uh, we do a lot of educational programming in our booths with local nonprofits, as well as having music and children's activities. And sometimes people come down just for the festivity and the activity. They're coming down to get their breakfast. They're coming down to get their breakfast burrito and play in the park and their kids are meeting up and they're meeting with their friends. It can't be that type of event as long as we're under COVID-19 restrictions. I mean, we're right, all right. really conscientious of the fact that this horrible virus is incredibly contagious and we don't want this event to turn into something that causes it to flare up in Missoula. So get into the market, buy your stuff, get out. You mentioned something there, you know, people coming down to get their breakfast. There are, there have been food vendors there in the past. Are there going to, are you planning on still having food vendors there um, for takeout food and stuff like that while, while restrictions yeah, we are. Okay. We are. As, as long as the restrictions are in place, you know, people can't go into restaurants right now and congregate and eat. We will not have our cafe set up. Okay. Typically the market has two cafe areas set up um, with tables and umbrellas so that people can sit down and eat. And we will not be setting those up. If somebody wants to come down and get their breakfast in the morning, they can order it to go. It'll be packaged for them to take it home and eat it. Okay, cool. Our, cool, cool. Yeah, they will be down there. Our prepared food vendors will be down at market. I think this is great because, you know, you are supporting the local farmers. They need, we need to get our economy back on track. And yes. so when or where we can support local folks uh, working, I think that's important. You're feeding people healthy stuff. Um, and so this is very necessary. I'm glad that you guys are doing all that you're doing. I know that you've 
put a ton of work into this. We've talked for several weeks now about the processing you've gone through and all the research. I know you've put in probably way more hours than you can get paid for, but uh, I think this is very helpful for our community. So thank you for what you're doing. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. I, I work at the market because I love the market and I have an amazing team. The farmer's market is Not really a family and that's the way we, we think of it. It's, it. it's a family down there and it's a family and our community is a family is part of it. I love working at the market. A lot of, lot of good information and I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that the farmer's market is still going to be able to, to function and run. And it sounds not only function, but do well. Um, this season. I think it, it sounds like you guys are in a place to really do a lot of good. And absolutely. I think this will be, this will be great. So. Yeah. I'm just encouraging everybody to come down and buy your fresh produce from our vendors. Um, people have been hard hit. I mean, this is one thing that we haven't talked about, but a lot of our local farmers in this area provide to our local restaurants. Mm -hmm. So they're hurting right now. Yeah. Um, yep. they've lost a lot of business over the last month with the, the restaurants being shut down. And yep. so let's give them a warm welcome to the season and get down there and, and buy up their goods. Absolutely. Yep. Support your local folks. Yes. Stuff. Buy local. Cool. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you guys. Stay Kirsten. Thanks Kirsten. We are back. That was uh, a lot of good info info about the farmer's market and encourage you to check out the links in the show notes. Absolutely. And uh, connect with them on Facebook. And if you're in the Missoula area on a Saturday, go support the farmer's market. Absolutely. Check them out. With that, let's dive into some footnotey goodness. Let's do that. So, Rob, uh, you told a story, which is shocking uh, for me. I, I, was, I was just floored. <laughs> I was dumbfounded that Rob would tell a story. Wait, does Rob not often tell stories? Oh, I'm being so sarcastic right here. Okay, I was like, if you um, actually, if you go check out his uh, his bio on the footnotes uh, on the podcast website, there's a little. I think it took him about eight or nine months to realize what I had written in there. <clears throat> but uh, for anyone listening, you can go check that bad boy out. There's a little little. You'll get the inside joke then. Little but little jab. A uh, little playful banter there, but Logan Rob, you told the story. For himself yeah, here, so it's all I, I jabbed myself real good. But uh, Rob, you told the story, and it, it was—I I might joke and kid, but you do have a story for everything, and that's a good thing. This was—you told this story of Steve and Marge. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I, I had no idea that my kids didn't know the story because Steve and Marge are your mom and dad. Yeah, they're my parents. So, Rob, I am your father. Which, as soon as we started, I was like, I wonder if Steve and Marge are Rob's parents. And then I was like, no, I doubt it. And then, yes! boom, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. And that's uh, and that was I'm actually so part of the, glad we did that that way. That, that was one of the goals for telling the story that way. Um, one, when you hear someone's story about their parents, it, it kind of changes. It makes you think about the person all the way through. Like, you, you can't disassociate the story from the person that's, that's telling the story. If you know, there's a, a, a connection like that. Sure. And so I didn't mind people processing that after the fact, but during the story, I really wanted to just focus on this person, Steve, this person, Marge and their faith journey, which, which for me to watch, you know, I came back to Christ just probably 
months or maybe a year before my dad did. And so watching what God was doing in my dad and seeing that God was doing that same thing in me, even though we had a little different context in our journey, because they were living in Coeur d'Alene, I was living in Spokane, so we were attending different churches. That's another story for another time. But I had a number of stories picked out from the scriptures that, based off this theme of emptiness, um, pursuing an empty power, uh, empty trust and riches, Peter's empty promise, empty religion, serving a God of that's empty of power. And so I had all these scriptural stories and going, this may not be as relatable as I'd like it to be. And and this weekend I was reading through my mom's, through my journal about my mom when I took some time after she passed and I was just journaling on our relationship. And I came across the note about the time that my dad shared with me what he had done 20 years earlier and how he needed to talk to mom and, and, and he needed to make this right. And he had no idea how this was going to end. He just knew that he needed to honor God in this. And he knew that this was actually impacting their marriage in bigger ways than he could have ever anticipated. And so I was reflecting on just her response to to that and how how much it benefited me as a son to have my mom fight for that relationship even though it was extremely painful and very scary for her yeah and i don't know if i ever had a chance to really tell her how much i i appreciated her courage hmm. and so i was just i was reading through that and going oh this is the story this yeah. is this is a story. Their story has so many of these elements that um, that these other stories that I that I seen throughout the scriptures, and so I felt like that that was a story they had to tell. Mm-hmm. I thought it was beautiful the way you tied it to resurrection and like how I was just like oh I was kind of speechless, which um, just the way you tied it to Easter Sunday and the beauty of resurrection and how like, yes, there's pain and there's that waiting that happens on Saturday, but on Sunday there's new life and there's mm-hmm. a beauty in that. And I was just like, yeah. yeah, And just the realness of it and the, yeah, it's awesome. Well, I feel like oftentimes when we come to Christ, we deal with the most obvious thing that everybody knows about, mm-hmm. you know, so you know, like if, if our issue is lying and everybody knows we're lying, then, then of course we, we deal with that. And, and, you know, I, I picture like uh, a house that's been this, this had a fire. And so you go in and you, you remove all the stuff that's obviously charred, mm-hmm. but there's still stuff that's in the nooks and crannies and, and maybe in the back room that hasn't been dealt with mm-hmm. because no one goes into mm-hmm. that room. But, you know, if you just leave that door locked, the damage is still there. This damage is still needs to be dealt with. Right. And so I feel like there's oftentimes there's, there's that, there's that thing in our life. that were like, I don't know if I could ever talk to anybody about that. Sure. And so 
and so that was that was my dad's experience. You know, there was one one thing that he had he kind of kept secret, and and even when he came back to Christ, it was it was I think it was three to five years later before he was willing to address it. And I think I think Jesus was just patient through that time. Sure, I always had the intent to lead my parents through this process of healing, and and then use them to help other people through that process as well. Yeah. I think, I mean, that played out in this story super well. Uh, so when you, when you were telling me like, this is, you were, I, we were whiteboarding it out and you were saying like, this is the story I want to use. I'm like, yeah, because there's an aspect of, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about a little bit about these here in a minute, but these uh, stories from the Bible they're good, but at least for me, I have to find a way to take those stories and connect them to my own life in order to really kind of understand them or any, you think about any story that you, you try to empathize with the characters in the story. And sometimes because these stories from the Bible are, you know, it's a, it's a, 2000 year old text. These are stories that happened 2000 years ago. It's a completely different world. Now the people are still people, but the scenarios are completely different. So sometimes the ability to connect to those stories is, um, it's more difficult. And I think especially, especially talking Easter and for anybody newer, that's not maybe as, um, as well versed in understanding the culture um, or anything like that, I think being able to tie it to a more modern story of your parents, like I think that makes it much more real for people. Yeah. yeah. And to take that concept of resurrection and be like, oh, it's not just, it's not just coming back from the dead. Mm-hmm. This is this is talking about living a resurrected life now. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's one one thing to know that something took place two thousand years ago. But is there hope for my story today? Yep. And I think that's something that even for those of us, those of us who have followed Christ for a season, a long season, we could wrestle with well, I know he can do something about this, but what will that look like? Sure. And what am I what am I willing to risk? in order to see him actually do something about this. And, and, and for my dad, he was risking his marriage. Mm-hmm. On one hand, his marriage was already at risk because this was, it was like a cancer that you couldn't see. But there's a very, the very real fear of she's going to leave me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was something that my mom had to wrestle with. You know, do I leave him over this? Mm-hmm. What else has he lied to me about? Like this is this, you know, twenty years holding on to a secret. That's heck of a story. I might make fun of your stories, but you got good ones. You have a lot of bad ones too, but you have good ones. <laughs> I just look for Logan in the back, <laughs> and he he holds up a sign. You know, eight. Yep, that's an eight. No, Rob. Oh my gosh, that's a two. That story's a two. <laughs> He's playing the Russian judge today. <laughs> <laughs> Great story. Poor execution. Sorry. 
Uh, Your technical ability. Biffed, biffed the landing. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about other stories of emptiness. Other empty stories. So we've talked about this before. You know, when people think in terms of uh, Judas Iscariot, oftentimes the thought is that Judas was after money. But there's this alternative uh, thought that Judas was actually after power. He was looking to force Jesus's hand. He knew that Jesus was powerful. Mm-hmm. He saw miracle after miracle after miracle. Believed he was the Messiah. Believed he was the Messiah, but had this picture of what Messiah should bring, which, which I think all the disciples wrestled with in one way, shape, or form. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Judas, I believe, felt like he could force Jesus's hand through betraying him. If you're, let's put ourselves in the put ourselves in the shoes of these disciples. They're living under the oppression. They're you know they're an occupied country. Rome is oppressing them and living there and has occupied Israel, and they are an oppressed people. Right. And we've talked about this before. Rome is not nice. And so they desperately want to come out from under oppression, right? And this whole concept of Messiah, think think about uh, the previous people that have come and released them from oppression, what that's looked like. Even back to Moses, that's not a peaceful story. No, no. Like, what does God do to Egypt? Oh, he, he wrecks them. He wrecks them. Like that... Every firstborn dies, and the Maccabean and revolt. locusts, the Maccabean revolt. That was within the judges, Samson. Like none, n- any time that they're coming out under Nehemiah, coming out of Babylon, like these are all blood-soaked stories in a lot of ways. I think it's totally plausible that most, if not all, of the disciples would have expected. Okay, yeah, Jesus is going to go all conquering hero at some point. At least early on in their in their time with him, anybody who's hearing Messiah is going to think, "Yeah, conquering hero, going to topple Rome." Yeah, common thought. Well, I mean, John the Baptist, his that was the that's the whole thing in uh, oh Matthew chapter. I feel like it's around seven when uh, the disciples of John come to Jesus, and John is in jail. And they're like, basically, they're calling out, and he, they're like, "Yo, dude, you gonna, like, you are you the Messiah or what? Messiah up, dude. Right, like, mm-hmm. was John wrong? Are you, are you not the, like, are you gonna, you gonna do this? Like, John's in jail. You gonna, like, now'd be a good time. He's about to die. Be a great time to like do a little overthrowing. Like, Messiah up. Um, I, I just thought of that. Like, this, this is a common thought, right? And Jesus comes and flips that on its head. In this complete, like, empire versus shalom, peace versus, uh, you know, war through victory. And so for Judas to not necessarily get that, it's understandable. And it's possible that he came in and was like, ah, maybe Jesus needs, he just needs a little push. Yeah. And, and manipulate I, the situation to make it happen. Sure. And I don't know if you've ever tried to help God along. Yeah. Lord, here uh, I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, this is your plan, God. I'm just going to go ahead and do this thing. I'm going to light the fuse. Yeah. Yeah, that I, 
that always works out well. Oh yeah. I feel he's leading me in this direction. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to we're you know, we're we're starting up this next week. We're talking about Abraham. Yes. And I think there's a couple of times in Abraham's story, I don't know, go and find out the meaning of this where if you start even early on in the story where Abraham's like, "Oh, well that's that must be what this means." Right there. Oh, yep. so that's oh, I'm supposed to do like this is oh, this Hagar. is where we're going to end up. Oh, Hagar. Oh, yeah. Hagar. Um, I don't know. Something to do with Egypt, maybe. Uh, there could be a couple times where Abraham takes God's plan, what he knows of God's plan, and just kind of jumps the gun a little bit. Yeah, because he misses. He's missing the point. He doesn't have the full he doesn't fully understand. And I think what we see with Judas, very plausible. Don't know. Maybe he was just going after the money, but that's kind of. He gives the money back. Yeah, he gives the money back at the end, and yeah, that could be that he like, oh, he just feels like he realized what he's done, and now he's feeling remorse. That's possible, right? Don't want to say it couldn't happen that way. So, I think that there is some definite credence to this. He's trying to force, or he's trying to. Or maybe even maybe even feeling like this is what he has to do, like oh Jesus needs me to do this so that he can then ascend as Messiah. Uh, convincing himself like how often do I convince myself of like oh yeah I need to do this because this is what God needs me to do. Oops. Oops. Yep. Been there, I don't know if that. anybody can relate to that story. Um, that's a thing. So nonetheless. Uh, Judas forcing this. This is, but he's left. He's left empty. Yeah, yeah. And there's a number of other stories about people just walking away empty, feeling empty. Uh, the rich young ruler, he comes oh, yeah. to Jesus. And he says, "What good thing must I do?" And and Jesus says, "Well, you know the commands. You know the commandments." And he says, "Well, which ones?" And so Jesus lifts lists off every commandment except for the two about coveting. <laughs> Sneaky Jesus. Sneaky Jesus. And he says, well, I've done all that. What else do I need to do? And he says, well, go sell everything and then come follow me. And the rich young ruler walked away. Broken. Couldn't give it up. Defeated. KO. And then Peter talks about empty religion. He says, uh, why do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. And he says, you know, these have appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And so there's this pursuit of empty rules, empty religion, these Concepts that man create, typically yeah. for other people. Sure. I will define what, how you should live in order mm-hmm. for you to be right before God. Yeah. Which, Peter, writing those words, there's some there's some depth to that. Um, because Peter's definitely never had any, any moments of ep- emptiness in his story. It's Paul. Oh, Paul? Paul. Paul wrote those words? Colossians. Oh, you said Peter. Yeah, you did. 
Ancient of Days. Ancient oh, of Days. Oh, there it is. There you go. Oh, man, I yeah. missed that, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that so much. Speaking of Peter, he had his uh, empty promise where he told Jesus he would die with him. Sure. Yep. But it was a promise that he was not able to keep. And I, and I feel like that is such a common part of at least my story mm-hmm. of promises I make to God promises I make to myself, promises I make to my family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this COVID-19 just reminds us that we are not that in control. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm in control of everything all the time, especially where I put my flash drive. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Logan's only in control of the denial he's in. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I'm oh. even in control of that, Jen. No, he's not it in control. Be, of his that might be raging out of control. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. And then there's uh, serving a God empty of power. Mm. Jesus is talking to some Pharisees and and they actually Sadducees, and they don't believe that in the resurrection. Yeah. And they come to Jesus and they have this elaborate. Story. Speaking of stories, uh, excellent story. I give it a ten out of ten. Story. Boom. Poor execution because Jesus just slaps him down. Mm. It's good. A for effort. Yeah, he says you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Mm-hmm. That is like, whoo. Yeah. <laughs> That's like. I'm trying to what's what would be an analogy for this? That's like saying to me, Logan, you know nothing of music. Right. Yeah, it yeah, and I was thinking about this. It's not that they didn't know the scriptures, like they were not aware of the scriptures. They could have quoted the they could have quoted all sorts of scripture at you. It's that they didn't let the scriptures change them. They didn't know in the biblical sense. Oh, <laughs> Go and find the meaning of this. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Adam knew his wife. Eve and she conceived. Yikes. They just didn't, they just were not intimately aware of the scriptures. They did not know. It'd be interesting to look at the Greek word there because. Um, that probably actually, that wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah, but you, and when I read that, phrase from Jesus when I come across it in my own study it always makes me question Lord how true of this is is this still of me because I feel like on a continuum we could all this this verse applies to all of us mm-hmm. we don't know the scriptures and we don't know the power of God mm-hmm. now hopefully we are growing in our knowledge of both the scriptures and the power of God but I feel like we all start off not knowing. Sure. And so, so we're somewhere on this line, this continuum of, of of not knowing. Yeah. And the question is, are you are you what's direction are you are you heading? Like when mm-hmm. you engage in scriptures, does that increase your knowledge of both the scriptures and the power of God, or or is it deafening the voice of God, as it were? Mm-hmm. Sure. Is it just noise? Right. So that's like, an interesting, co- like the the idea that the scriptures themselves 
like me digging into the Bible or me gaining in biblical knowledge could actually be distracting me from knowing God. Right. I I think that 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 definitely plays out. I think we see that a lot of times. I think that that's where we get religiosity from. Are you approaching the scriptures only as a textbook? Yep. Mm-hmm. Or are you actually engaging? Like, are you really getting to know your God? Are you experiencing God through the scriptures? Is it living and active in your life, or are you choking it out? Ooh. There you go. So that's the question. That a preach. Yeah. Which brings us to Philippians 3. <laughs> where, Which is what we're talking about in care groups this week. Yes. So Paul says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by all means possible, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Yep. And Paul, just before this, identifies his own religious religiosity so easy for me to say a <laughs> uh, little religiosity that uh that had um that he had depended on you know Jesus does say that salvation is is from the Jews yeah. and so they can speak authoritatively about what it means to be in relationship with God but if you let your religious practices define the relationship, uh, well, Paul Paul says is rubbish. Yeah, I mean, well, in so where where did you start reading there? Eight through eleven. Yeah, you started in eight. <clears throat> you know, in uh, he starts off in in four because he's going after these. Uh, well, okay, so at the, from the top of three. Uh, in verse 2, he's going after the, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers who mutilate the flesh. He's going after the Judaizers here, right? Um, and then he's, so he's talking about circumcision because they're, they're pushing for, for this, uh, they're pushing for people to convert to the Gentiles got to be coming in, right? Right. They got to become Jewish, uh, mm-hmm. which is Acts, I think I looked at this, uh, 15 is the Jerusalem Council where they're talking about this, and this all com- kind of comes to a head, uh, where the, the, the church in, in in Acts has this, they come to this decision of, no, they don't need to do this. Um, but this is apparently still sticking around. <clears throat> and so Paul is coming in with this, like, this Jewish authority, which he lists off in 5 through seven of um like he's he's basically circumcised on the eighth day tribe of benjamin hebrew of hebrews like that for like i am the hebrew of hebrews like of the jews i am the most jewish like i'm a super jew paul like that, that maybe that's a little that might be a little i don't know not cool to say but like this is what he's like listing off this this resume and he's like 
what what does he finish with? Uh, a pers- a persecutor of the church, like this zeal, yep. and as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Like that's like bold words. Come at me, bro. Like, he's like, <laughs> look at me roll. And so he lists off this whole, like, this huge resume. Like, convince me I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's sitting there behind the table. And then he says, all of that, all of that stuff, all those awards that I got hanging up on my wall, all those letters after my name, it's all crap. Mm-hmm. Which, when it says rubbish, you could translate that in a more fecal sort of matter mm. if you wanted to. Go and find the meaning of this. <clears throat> matter it's a true story it's a little paul's using a little uh he's, he's he's getting a little uh he's using a little french here but it's not french it's greek <laughs> <laughs> all greek to me yikes <clears throat> so like saying like all of this stuff counts for nothing all of this is just it's just waste mm-hmm. without without the resurrection and like we might a lot of us would take oh well we can throw all of that out and like this is yeah because we're new covenant and we're going to get rid of like the yeah the jews didn't need to do any of that anymore and that's i think that's missing the point the point here is that without the resurrection all of that counts for nothing which we'd get in james like works without faith is dead right all of this stuff that paul has done all of this is counted as loss without the power of Christ. He's like, compared to that stuff, this is all just dust in the wind. Mm. Now, if you're living a resurrected life and you're following and you're living out your calling as a people, like I'm not saying for, for us, for me and the rest of the Gentiles here, we don't need to go become Jewish. Obviously not. We don't need to go live this out. But that was part of call, Paul's calling. Like he was Jewish, and the Jews are called to live out this life. Um, and so, like, with the power of Christ in that, like, living in the resurrected life and living that out, how much more powerful is that? Absolutely. That gives it, it gives it context. It gives it a reason. Because without that, it's, it's, blech. Well, it's and if we're going to be disciples, and if we're going to be disciple makers. Yeah. If we're going to live transparent lives and be generous <clears throat> and heal divisions, it's going to be through the power of the resurrection that we are able to do that. Because mm-hmm. otherwise we stop short. We, we allow Jesus to touch a few areas of our lives, the things that people can see. You know, we come like whitewashed tombs. Ooh, there's a reference. And... Clean on the inside, or clean on the outside, dead on the inside. Yeah, you you, you look good, or at mm-hmm. least you think, or at least you fooled yourself into thinking you look good. Yep. In fact, I've gotten to the point where I don't care how I look. Obviously. Oh. I care about how I be. Like, you can either focus your energy on seeming like you are good. Yep. Or you could focus your energy on allowing Christ to resurrect those areas that are not good. Sure. 
you only have ener- so much energy to spend. And, and what are you going to spend your attention and your focus? And and so are you going to invite Christ into these areas? And in our care groups, we need to have the level of vulnerability that says, I don't have it all figured out. Yep. And this week, this was my struggle. And, and I loved Lauren's... Oh, yeah, you know, message her her sharing just some things that she's wrestling with because that's that's another story of someone trying to figure out how to let Christ resurrect this part of their lives. Yeah, where she was talking about fear. Yeah, and not not being a slave to that, like letting God into that to to do some healing. And so I value that that vulnerability that says, "Yep, I still Christ still needs to resurrect some areas of my life." Absolutely. What's amazing is even 2000 years later, it's still countercultural to live a resurrected life. Like the American dream is in complete opposite opposition of what this is calling us to do. Like, so it's like, you can only serve one master. Like, am I going to live a resurrected life where I am willing to walk in that power that raises people from the dead and like disciple people and love them no matter where they're at? Or am I going to chase the letters after my name and the big car and the fancy house? And like, sure. you can't do both. It's like, Ooh, or at least you can't do, do uh, you, you can't do one of them excludes. If, if you make, if you make the American dream, you make chasing that your master. Mm-hmm. then you're not going to make the resurrected life your master. You can't have two masters. Right. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that you can't be a disciple with a big boat. Right. If you are a disciple with a big boat, I want to be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> let's Call talk, me up. Let's talk, let's talk about discipleship. I'll sit on one side of the ship. You sit on the other side of the yeah, ship. Yeah, if the boat is, if there's six foot of space in that boat, we are good to go. <laughs> we'll be socially distanced. Out from everybody, everybody out out on the water. Like Jesus was, he spent a lot of time on the water. So I think that sounds great. But when you know, jokes aside, like like that's not the the rich young ruler. It's not. It's not. It's holding him back. He's made that his master. Yeah, and that's what's keeping mm-hmm. him from living a resurrected life. It's and not I've, the actual stuff. And I have seen people that have that are affluent actually live it out really really well and it is submitted sure you know it mm-hmm. is it, it is within the, the lord's hands as far as the decisions that they make and how it gets used and and how it blesses absolutely multitudes so it that can happen yeah I but think it's Logan it's not the, the ruling if you make it your master yeah. like if that if you let it consume you is when you can't can't do both well like yeah nope which is the value of coming back to easter each year and remembering and and even celebrating communion hopefully it's that's our plumb line that's us coming back to what does Mm -hmm. this look like because when when you started this conversation logan you said that is is it shalom or is it empire and so communion, Easter, these draw us back to what, how Christ chose to live this out was was countercultural, and it still is today. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, all the movies that I love, 
well, not all of them. I I love a really good story, but there's so many movies I really enjoy that power is through dominance. Absolutely. Those are my favorite. <laughs> not no shame. Those are my favorite stories. Yeah. It, it it's just something that we are naturally drawn to. Mhm. But that's mm-hmm. not how the gospel's lived out. There's right. a we're we're not yeah, you can't be ruled by that. Yeah. Got no one to say enough. There's a little genesis for you. Mm. Oh man. It's like it's all one big story. Wild. <laughs> Wild. Absolutely crazy. That's straight up cray cray. <laughs> straight up cray cray. Somebody hit the cray button. There you go. Boom. Family Force Five reference. I'm gonna go listen to them now. You should. Oh man. It's about to get cray up in Someone here. Someone should. I'll have to listen to it because you'll Oh, it's not gonna be soft. No. Sorry, neighbors. <laughs> Just trying to make you socially distance further by turning yes. my music up. They will leave. <laughs> uh, would they? Would they please? Yikes. Um. Anyway. Logan just cleared a building. Yes. It's always been my goal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So, like I said, we're starting a new series on Abraham. Uh, or a- well, uh, mm, Sorry, that was a spoiler. Abram. We don't know. We don't know who this Abraham character might be. Um, <laughs> don't jump to with, the end of the story. Starts off with Abram, uh, but yeah, we're starting that up. This and I think you said that's going for ten weeks. We're yeah. So it's gonna it's gonna be a minute. Uh, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about this for a while. There is so much, man. Well, I just kind of I read a few important. chapters last night, and I'm like, oh, yeah. So so many, so many good things to talk. Go about. dig in. We'll we'll be starting in Genesis chapter, the end of chapter eleven. Yep, is where we first are introduced to Abraham or yes. Abram. Abram, and uh, father Abram. It just doesn't have the same ring. Have many sons. Uh, so we're gonna start there, and we'll progress we our way through. So Abraham. start start busting out maybe uh, chapter eleven, twelve, maybe even maybe even thirteen. Uh, 11 and 12. 11 and 12. In 11 and all of 12 this week. That's right. That's right. End of 11, all of 12 this week. Start reading those. We'll be talking on Sunday, and uh, it'll be a lot of good. We'll talk about what what type of person God wants to partner with, who he chooses. Um, I choose you. (laughs) Yeah. So So cool. Good good stuff. Jen, I'm so glad you could join us today. Absolutely. Me too. It was nice to see your guys' faces. Bring a delightful energy to the footnotes podcast oh i like being here your office is that yeah well, she likes being in her that, office that too and she, with you guys so, so socially distanced <laughs> from us you know us us through zoom probably much more palatable for most people <laughs> nonetheless well thanks for joining us guys we will uh we will see you again next week actually yeah so uh until then be safe be happy I don't know. Dig into the text or something. Yeah. Live a resurrected life. That sounds like a good idea. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more Footnotes.
You're getting so good at this editing stuff, aren't you? This is my life. This is my life now. <laughs> Jacob, it's a clap just for you. <laughs> we'll put that in for an Easter egg. Yes, we will. <laughs> just for Jacob, I'm going to put a clap on this, even though he'll never know. So professional. <laughs>